Welcome to the Effortless English Show with the world's number one English teacher, A.J. Hogue, where A.J.'s more than 40 million students worldwide finally learn English once and for all without the boring textbooks, classrooms, and grammar drills. Here's A.J. with a quick piece to help you learn to speak fluent English effortlessly. I'm AJ Hogue, the author of Effortless English. Learn to speak English like a native father of the Effortless English system that trains you, teaches you, helps you speak English fluently. You speak English powerfully. You speak English confidently. You speak English effortlessly when you join, when you commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Go there and join my VIP program, but of course you must commit, don't quit, commit to my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com, EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Today, talking about the trivium. The trivium, got a question about Homeschooling yesterday, we talked a bit about homeschooling. We have an interview coming this Friday, 5 a.m. Friday, Japan time. That's Japan time. A live interview with Christy Clover about what? Talking about homeschooling. She is a homeschooling expert. Why is she an expert? Because she has five children and she has been and still is homeschooling all five of her children. I'd say that makes her an expert. And of course, more than that, she has done a lot of research. She has a lot of experience. She's written books about it. So she knows quite a lot about homeschooling. Most importantly, she has a lot of experience with homeschooling uh, with quite a large family. Is it five children or three children? Hope I'm not getting that wrong. Either way, it's, a, it's enough children. <laughs> so anyway, I'll be talking to her on uh, Friday about that. So for some of you, you know, some of you yesterday had some very specific questions about homeschooling. I can answer those questions myself, but I think I'll wait for some of them. I'll wait and let her talk about them. But today, I want to talk more generally about something called the trivium. Trivium, which is a, I don't know if method's quite the right word. I would call it a philosophy. Or a, a, yeah, philosophy maybe. A general strategy, a general philosophy of education. Classic education. So this is goes, goes back, you know, the, the name is Latin. So this goes back, you know, back, far back into the Middle Ages, perhaps even earlier. And trivium, the word in, in Latin, tri, T-R-I, means three. And the, the vium, the, it's, it comes from via, which means way. So it's three-way, three-way, three ways of education is what it means. So I'm going to talk about that because this is one of the, you know, so some people ask about how do I do homeschooling? You know, how do I organize it? What method to use? And this is a good way to think about it, you know, how to get started. Of course, you can research a lot of very specific uh, books and strategies and websites and apps, all kinds of things out there. But uh, I think first you need kind of a very general strategy, a very general we call framework, right? A very general mentality about how are you going to do this education? How will you approach it? Kind of a general philosophy first. This is also good for even for yourself, but especially when teaching children. So let's look at this. What is the trivium? And I've got a, a little website here. I'm going to read a paragraph from it. It's called Classical Homeschooling. So let me show you on the screen if you're watching. And I'm going to read this part. Let's see where you can see it. All right. It's a little small on the screen. But anyway, here we go. Let's see. Okay, yeah. So here's the, 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 the one way to look at the trivium is this. Anyone learning something goes through three stages. So there, this is the first thing. Tree, trivium, tri, from the word three in Latin. So there are three stages of learning anything, especially knowledge. A baby learning his native language starts with vocabulary, then goes to put it together 
into sentences and phrases and finally becomes uh, creative and fluent. A teenager learning to drive or an adult learning to drive first has to learn the, you know, the basic rules, then has to put those little rules and skills together, and then finally they can become very skilled and creative. Okay, so here's what it is. The trivium has three stages. It's called, they call it the grammar stage, the dialectic stage, and the rhetoric stage. Now here, grammar is being used in a general way. It's not talking about language, really. So let me explain this. What it means is this, that what the grammar stage is basically learning facts, memorizing, uh, lots of repetition. It's not very creative, okay? It's just really getting a lot of the basic ideas or basic skills, okay? Through just practicing and memorizing. That's the grammar stage. That's stage one of learning. Stage two is called the dialectic stage. This is the stage of reason. Reason. This is where you learn why. Why, you know, you learn kind of the rules. You learn why do you do some things and others. You learn strategies. You learn how to think more clearly and to understand at a more deep level, a deeper level. And then finally, you have the rhetoric stage. This is where you are learning communication and creativity. So now you have the basics, the really basic knowledge and skills from the grammar stage. You understand more deeply from the dialectic stage and you can think clearly. And then in the third stage, you now you can communicate and be creative with the knowledge. You can communicate and be creative with the skills. You can find new information. So you can see it's very, very, very general. But this is kind of a good way to think about education and structure it. So if you're thinking about homeschooling children, for example, well, the young children, like elementary school age, they're going to be in this grammar stage, meaning basic skills, a lot of memorizing, a lot of memorizing, a lot of reading stories. Um, you know, they're not, they can't think super deeply about things. You don't ask them to try to do a lot of super creative things. You don't ask them to think super deeply, okay? You have to just teach them stories and teach them information. For example, if they're learning math, they've got to learn how just, you know, one plus one equals two. Why? They're not, it's, they, they can't understand why. Just They just got to learn it, you know. Three, plus, three times two equals six. They just have to memorize those multiplication tables. You can try to show them with, you know, different objects how, how this works. But overall, they're just learning uh, a lot of things. So you're really just directly teaching them things. And this is also true for skills. So let's say if you are teaching jujitsu to a child. In the beginning, you're just going to teach them the basic moves and techniques, okay? You're not going to be teaching them a lot of uh, strategy and thinking about, you know, why does this work in jujitsu and this doesn't work and all these complicated strategies. You're not going to do that with the young children. You just teach them, okay, someone grabs your throat, this, you do this. This is how adults learn, too, actually, in jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, the white belt level, you're just learning the basic techniques. Okay, so somewhere around middle school, let's say, 12 years old, something depends on the child. Some children, it's younger, sometimes it's older. But let's just say, around 12, 11, they start getting to what the dialectic stage we call, we could call this the reasoning stage or the thinking stage. This is now where they know a lot of the information. They've learned a lot of the knowledge. They've learned a lot of the main skills just by practicing and reading. And now the next step is for them to understand more deeply, to understand why, right? So now this is where they start using reason and thinking and thinking about logic. You start teaching them about logic. You start to ask more questions. Why? Why? You know, why do we do this? Why do we do that? And they, it's, there, there's a lot of focus on the deeper level. Reasoning, logic, thinking, understanding, 
reasons. Okay, and so then that's maybe, you know, let's say age 11 to 14 or 13, something like that, or 10 to 13. It depends on the child. And then finally, they get to the rhetoric stage. Rhetoric means really persuasion, communication. But more generally here, we're talking about now where it's output, right? Now they can start being more creative. So at this step with math, they can start solving more difficult problems. They can start trying to think more creatively and understanding the deepest levels of math. They can analyze history. They can learn about propaganda and lies and start to analyze the techniques of mind control and start trying to figure out what's true, what's not true, right? Much more creative. They can learn persuasion. They learn how to write well, to be good writers, how to communicate their ideas very well in writing and in speech. How to give good public speeches would be part of the rhetoric stage. How to speak, how to be persuasive, how to have good arguments, how to use emotion, and in like a physical skill, something like jujitsu, this is the level where they're getting like more towards that black belt level where they start to be creative. Instead of just doing the exact technique that they learned, now they start to change the techniques to fit themselves, to fit their strategy, to fit their body, to fit the situation. So they start being much more creative with their skills and maybe making new skills, new techniques. So the, the main point, though, of the trivium is that it's a step-by-step -step process. So you have to start at this basic stage, learn the basic skills, just reading and memorizing, getting those that core knowledge first. Then you move to understanding more deeply, and then finally you start to use it and become more creative. Okay, so this is true really for everybody, but for children, then this gives you an idea. Okay, well, in the elementary school time, it's mostly going to be learning about a lot of things. So it's reading. If they, they're interested in bugs, then you go and you read lots of books and lots of facts about bugs, and you study bugs, and you watch bugs. And, of course, they're learning the basics of math, the basics of reading, the basics of, uh, you know, multiplication and, and science and all these things. And then finally, when they start getting older, you, you'll, you'll know, they'll start thinking more deeply, they'll start asking deeper questions, they'll be able to start figuring out some things on their own. Now you're getting into the area where they start learning to problem solve, to solve problems. And they start asking that important question, why, 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 why? Right? Why and how? Why and how? And they start looking below the surface and noticing things. And then once they get good at that and they can reason, then they're going to want to start presenting arguments. They want to communicate effectively. They want to start being creative. They want to become very independent. And this is when they're kind of, you know, starting in that, those early teenage years. So that gives you a very, very, now it's very general, I know. Very, very broad, but it gives you a good starting point. This gives you a good, very general starting point to design your own approach, your own way of doing education for your children. And it, it just helps you give, have a little bit of a philosophy so you, you can kind of have a different approach depending on their age, right? So it, it, you understand that, okay, my child is eight years old. I'm not going to ask them to try to be super creative and persuasive and all this stuff. They're not ready for that. And I'm not going to ask them to, you know, you can start to teach them some logic a little bit, of course, and reasoning and things. You can start these things early, but you're not going to, it won't be your main focus. And then, of course, when they get older, they shouldn't just be memorizing mindlessly right? Because they're past that point now. That's going to become super boring to them when they're 13, 14, even, you know, around that age. They're going to be sick of doing that and they're really going to be wanting to think more. That's when they really start to be more challenging in their thinking. Well, why? Why this? Why not this? And they begin to question things and they don't accept everything. And that's good. That's good. So then you start teaching them the methods and the means, the way they can start to explore and find knowledge themselves, right? Through logic, through research, uh, thinking clearly, 
understanding what's, you know, truth and lies and the techniques of persuasion. And then that just, you just keep going. So this gives you a nice general overview. And of course, we'll talk more specifically, certainly Friday with Christy Clover. And in the future, we'll talk more specifically about exactly what you can teach your children or any children. And, you know, this does give an idea. It kind of, uh, it is kind of a, a nice little description of the stages of learning English too, right? So in the beginning, right, you know, of course, they're calling it grammar stage, but I would just say it's kind of the just almost, it's just the learning. It's the input stage is what I would say, input stage. So you're just basically having to learn lots of words and lots of phrases, right? You're in the, you know, for quite a long time in the beginning stage, you're not able to speak much and people get frustrated about this, but you're just not going to be creative and uh, a great speaker in the beginning. You don't have enough words. You don't have enough input. You need a huge amount of input, right? So that's the stage number one. And then stage two, you start to actually understand the language. You start to understand English, but intuitively, right? In a natural way. You actually start to get a feeling for the grammar. You don't need to know all the grammar rules and names, but you start to get a feeling for the past tense and the present perfect and all that other stuff. You get a feeling for the pronunciation. You start to get a deeper feeling for the language. And then finally, the last stage is when you really begin to speak well and you can be creative with English and you can use the language very well. It's the final stage. And too many learners and a lot of uh, schools and teachers, they do it, try to do it backwards, which is very strange, right? They'll try to, from the beginning, like the beginning classes, they're trying to force students to speak and, uh, and they're correcting their mistakes and it creates a lot of stress and it's, it's just crazy because they're not ready. They're not ready yet. So it's a nice general framework, a nice general guide to learning and education. And once again, we see how, you know, these, these um, ancients, you know, the old ways are better. This, this is a classic uh, framework, a classic uh, plan or mindset of education that is so much better than the schools we have now. They really understood things better then. And uh, the way they did it was much better. And of course, people learn more independently then. They learn from their families. They learn from tutors. They did not go to these giant schools and like prisons. And they were just better educated. People in the past were better educated than people now. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Let's just go to questions and comments. Probably be a little bit shorter show today. Dalal is asking again, these are stages for acquiring a language or any skills in life. Any skills. This is a, the trivium is really, was focused on just general philosophy of education. The general approach, very general approach to education. <laughs> There's lots of people saying hello from different places. Good. Oh, is it Japan? Is Japan Tokyo time? Asking about this Friday's interview. Yes, Tokyo time, right? Japan time. It's all one time zone, so Tokyo, Osaka, whatever. You just find online. There are plenty of like world clocks and time zone converters, and you can find your local time. So the, again, Christy Clover, I will be talking to her Friday, 5 a.m. Japan time. Now, I'm not sure if she uses the trivium as her philosophy or something else. There are many ways to do it. This is one of the things that's great about homeschooling is that you customize it. You do what fits you and your philosophy and your family and your children. So the trivium is one 
very classic way. Again, it's very general. You see how general this is. So you can think very generally about this and then you can focus in. Uh, you know, like, so for example, in that grammar stage, that basic skills stage, for me, it's the three R's. Reading, writing, arithmetic, we call it in, uh, in, in America. So it's just reading. Arithmetic is basic math. And then writing is just, you know, writing and communicating. And even writing is much weaker. I would say it's really reading and math. Ba- reading and math. You could focus mostly on those two at, in the younger ages. Just those two. Even writing, a little writing, but I wouldn't focus too much on the writing uh, at younger ages. You know, really, when you're focusing on writing at the younger ages, it's mostly just, it's more the coordination, just so <laughs> they can learn how to make the letters, you know, and, and, and just, it's just using their hands and their eyes to, to be able to write correctly. It can sometimes help with spelling and things like that. But, I, you know, they're not writing creatively. I would not worry about teaching them any kind of grammar or any, nothing like that. The, the main focus of homeschooling for younger children, elementary school age, is a huge amount of reading and then some basic math. Reading and math. I would reduce it down to those two. And then you have a, plenty of time the rest of the day to do lots of other activities where you could explore the world, go outdoors and start looking at nature and learning about nature. They could do a little bit of writing. That's fine. They can read just for fun, anything they want, comic books or whatever. Um, you know, you could teach also very important skills of, of like of family and home, things like cooking and cleaning and, uh, you know, washing clothes and uh, going grocery shopping and understanding money and all of these kinds of things. So it leaves a huge amount of time. If you're disciplined, focused homeschool time with your children is just focused on reading and math, that's it. You only need like two to three hours a day for that. Two to three hours a day, and that's all you need. If you do it seven days a week, all every week, you know, every day, probably two hours a day is enough. You could do two hours a day where you're really focused. It's disciplined learning time, you know. So you're 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 sitting down, and you're not. There's no wasted time, concentrating and focusing and working. Do that for two hours a day. You're reading and you're doing math. That's it. And then your child is done. School's over. Finished. You know, homeschool is over. Meaning the focus, disciplined learning is over, is finished. And now you have uh, the entire rest of the day for what I would call, you know, free learning or playful learning. Some people call this unschooling. It means the opposite of schooling. But it just may means exploring. It's, you're, they're still learning, but, it's, it, but they're kind of playing and learning at the same time. Just anything creative, anything they're interested in. It might be cooking sometimes. It might be, like I said, things in the home. It might be going outdoors and playing around and looking at plants and looking at bugs and looking at fish and going to aquariums and reading about all these different things. And... Uh, you know, visiting historical sites in your city and uh, just reading interesting, fun adventure books and on and on and on and on. You know, there's so many opportunities and your child will be curious. So you just let them follow their curiosity. See, this is why I like it so much. You have a little bit of discipline time every day where they focus on those core main skills as elementary school kids, reading and math. And then the rest of the day, it's, it's really enjoyable. And of course, they can just also be, do physical things, just play games, right? Just run around and <laughs> climb trees and, I don't know, play soccer or whatever they like to do and you can do with them or they can do with each other if you have, if they have brothers and sisters. So also, too, just playing, you know, imaginative playing, playing with dolls and whatever, you know, playing games and board games. And there's so many things. You've got so much time when you're homeschooling. This is what's so great about it. It's so efficient because in two hours, you will do more than a school will do in six or seven hours. You will, they will learn more. They'll improve their reading and their math more in two hours at home than, I don't know, 10 
or 20 or more hours at school because the school is so inefficient and so ineffective. The schools waste so much time. There's so many distractions because you have there are too many children in the class. The teachers are distracted and tired. Some of the teachers are kind of stupid. Uh, there's a lot of nonsense where they have to follow all these rules and, you know, they have to take take role like, you know, Johnny, are you here? Here! Sally, are you here? Here! And and all this kind of junk and uh, it's just huge, huge, huge amount of wasted time. Plus, they're using garbage textbooks and they're using methods that don't work where the teacher's up there in front of the class talking, talking, talking. And, of course, the teacher has to focus on the worst students in the class. So, if your child's uh, too fast, then they're just bored out of their mind. And sometimes if your child's struggling and they're the slowest, well, then then they get lost because then the, the teacher becomes impatient and they just keep going too fast and your child needs more time. But at homeschool, it doesn't matter. If your child is having, a, you know, all children, some, some subjects, some things they, they might have a hard time with. They need more time. They need extra time for that. And other things they learn super fast and they're just ready to keep going, right? But if they're in a class with 30 kids, they have to, everybody goes at the same speed. So most of the kids are bored or they're behind. One of the two. Very few kids are in the, the perfect zone. But with your own children at home, you can let them go at their own speed. So if your child is learning, let's say you're learning multiplication, you know, three times three is nine. And if we have one child and they're super fast, it's easy for them, boom, they just memorize it. Well, you don't, they don't have to stay with that. For They don't have to go slowly and get bored because everybody else is going too slowly for them. If they're fast, if they learn it quickly, boom, go to the next thing. No waiting. No need to be bored. If you have another child and it's the same topic, but for some reason it's difficult for them. Ah, just uh, the multiplication. I, they can't get it. They can't get it. So, so it doesn't matter. Take more time. They can go more slowly. They get this. Oh, they need an extra two weeks or an extra month or something to learn multiplication. You Maybe you try some different videos. You try some different books. You try some different methods. You try using some physical things, you know, to help them sort of visualize it and see it. You can try a lot of different things and they don't need to feel any stress because other students are going faster and then they get all stressed out. I'm behind. Uh, something's wrong with me. I'm not good at math. None of that nonsense. They can just relax and so what? They need an extra month. They, they take an extra month and they still learn it and they keep going. Right? So each child goes at their own pace and of course each child they're going to be good at some things and other things are more difficult. And who knows why? Who knows why? You know, it's, it's, it's the same for all of us, for adults. Some things are easier for us and some things are more difficult. And some things we learn very fast, very quickly, and other things we need a little more time, okay? And if you're not in a giant class, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So great advantages to this. Yeah, like Ibrahim Ali says, the best thing about homeschooling, children will enjoy the process of learning with much less time. Unfortunately, most people don't do it because they're afraid of other people's opinions. That is the exact reason why people don't do it. It's the only real reason people don't homeschool. They're afraid of other people's opinions. Everything else I find mostly excuses. Al says, I think the modern world trivium should include computer science. Well, the compu- it would. It would be probably the third stage. Because to understand computers, you first need logic. You first need logic and you may need some, uh, you know, certainly you need basic math and basic logic. So you can start to teach some of that uh, in a very basic, direct way at the, at the lowest level. You know, where they're just kind of memorizing basic ideas of computer logic. And then, of course, then you would go to the next level where they would start thinking more deeply about it. And then finally, they'd be programming at the last stage. How much money does a regular teacher earn each month in your country? Mike, in America? Uh, I don't know. Depends on uh, each state is different. 
and uh, it depends on how long they've been working. They make plenty of money, though. They make enough. Yeah, like Afnan says, I think the good thing in homeschooling is that you know, you know, what your children want and focus more on it. That's correct. That's right. Because they're your children. So you know them very, very well. So you can create an education that fits them perfectly, each one of them. Motion asks, will you teach your children math or will you hire a tutor? Oh, I'll teach them math, certainly until high school. If they get like into calculus or something, I'll probably stick them on a website or something at that point. <laughs> when they, if they get into some more advanced math, it's been either I'll have to learn it again or uh, I'll just, yeah. But certainly until high school, I can handle it. Yeah, like Nasser says, the quality of homeschool time is way better than schools. Exactly. The quality, the quality of concentration, the, the customization, right? How it fits each child so well. You're really focusing on the most important things, not wasting a lot of time. So you get huge quality in much less time. And that's great for kids because kids should not just be sitting at a desk you know, for hours and hours and hours and hours every day like they do in school. It's unnatural. That's why the boys get in trouble because they're throwing stuff and acting bad and, and, then every, and then they give them drugs to say there's something wrong with them. It's all bullshit. They shouldn't. Two hours is enough. Maybe when they get a little older, three hours, you know, sitting and focus. You know yourself, even if you're, you know, listening to English or studying English. If you just sit down, you sit at a desk, sit in a chair and just focus on English. After a few hours, you get very tired, right? You want to get up. You want to move. You want to do something. And again, that's why I tell you, put on your earphones and your headphones and go for a walk. Because it's not, even as adults, we don't just want to sit for hours and hours and hours and hours, learning we need to get up and move around and yet the poor children they just stuck sitting down for all these hours a day it's so unnatural it's not healthy so you know you can of course even as homeschooling you can take breaks you could do one hour and then take a break run around jump around have fun eat lunch and then do your second hour afterwards something like that you know there's it's very flexible if both parents work, the child cannot be homeschooled. Well, yeah, one child, one parent has to quit their job. That's how you do it. Hey, Manuel, good to see you again from Cartagena. Yeah, well, exactly what Nora's saying. You know, school is essentially a passive activity. So Nora says, to be free and follow your curiosity to learn is fantastic. In schools, there's no choice. You have to be in this class, this teacher, this curriculum. Exactly. You're not the boss of your education. Or if you're talking about children, you're not the boss of your children's education. Someone else is choosing it. You're being totally passive. If you have children, you're sending them away and letting someone else choose these things. Bad idea. Because they all work for Brave New World. Bad idea. And even for yourself as an adult. You know, like, like I'm learning Japanese now. You're learning English. Should you go to an English class? You know, already know the answer. That's why you're learning with Effortless English. You know that it wouldn't work. It would be a huge waste of time. It's the same reason I'm not joining a Japanese class. I thought about joining a Japanese class. It's like, oh, that, that would be horrible. I'd have to just sit there and listen to them lecture, probably teaching me a bunch of Japanese grammar rules. They would go so slowly. They would, oh, I'd, I'd, oh my God, you know. 
I, I'm learning much faster and enjoying it more and I can do exactly what I want. I'm the total boss of my own learning. With Japanese, you're the boss of your English learning. Right. You choose your curriculum. You choose your schedule. You choose your method. You choose if you want to find teachers or coaches or conversation partners. You choose them. And you can change if you want to. This is great. This is just independent learning in general for all ages. All that's this is kids and adults both. Yeah, like Tuan says, teachers tell us to stay still and silent while they are lecturing. Stop speaking. Stop everything. Then they ask us to think outside the box. That's impossible. Yeah, right. Yeah, then they complain because everybody's passive. <laughs> I remember. So yeah, they make you sit like a prisoner and be quiet and say nothing. And then suddenly they ask a question and they want you to suddenly be creative and interesting. I mean, they've destroyed that. Why would you be? You don't need it. You don't need it. The classroom is the worst place to learn anything. It is the worst. Anything. You want to learn to be a computer programmer, a coder? Don't take a class. That's insane. Don't go to some classroom and sit. Just get online. You can find probably a thousand different courses on all different programming languages. Just do it. Teach yourself. Teach yourself. You'll do it much faster, much better, much more cheaply too. Okay? Anything. Anything. The only thing where you kind of need other people are physical skills. You know, physical skills like jujitsu. Even jujitsu, like I said, I learned some of the basic techniques watching videos by myself at home. Now, to really learn some of it, I had to go and go against other people. You know, same if you're playing a sport. But, but for most, you know, for kind of more like mental skills and mental knowledge, you, the classroom is the worst place. It's just so inefficient, so much wasted time, so slow. What's the point? We have the internet. We have all, so many resources and videos and books and uh, programs and all these different things. You don't need any of that anymore. And your kids don't need it either. This is not just for adults. Kids also. Schools are a waste. Uh, Abdo says, do you think parents can shape their kids to determine their career by pushing them to the career they thought would be better for them? Uh, pushing kids doesn't work usually. <laughs> They're usually going to go against you. And, you know, how do you know? You have to work with them. It depends on their age, right? But I'm not a big fan of... I mean, I wouldn't do it. Because how do you know? You don't really know, actually. Career. You know, what's the right career? The right career is something you're really good at, that you really love, that is useful to other people. These are kind of the three things you need to be successful in a career and make money, right? You have to have a skill. You have to be good at it. If you're no good at it, eh. You have to enjoy it because otherwise you're unhappy for most of your life. And of course, the third one is important too. It has to be something useful, something useful for other people so they will pay you money. But it, you need those three things. So there are thousands and thousands of possibilities. So I wouldn't force a kid to do something. You know, if, if your child, for example, hates math and doesn't like that kind of stuff and is more creative and more artistic, no, I wouldn't push them to be an engineer or something. That's crazy because they'll hate it. They'll hate it. They probably will, won't be good at it either. So if they really want to be an artist, fine. Let them be an artist, but they can make money as an artist, but they just have to, they're going to have to learn how to make money, how to do marketing, how to maybe be a freelancer. They could be a web designer. They, you know, they can still make money doing that stuff. So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't force kids into things let them find their way you can coach them and advise them but it's hard to make that decision for another person
Yeah, so, okay, so Jackson Scully's, uh, now, I, I, the Miriam Joseph version of the Trivium, uh, I think I might have that one, too. I see there's value in it, but it's hard to persevere when I can't see how much it applies practically. Any thoughts? Okay, so, yeah, this is a warning. What I'm talking about, the Trivium today, is very, 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 very general. On the other hand, there are some books and some curriculum, curriculi out there that are very, very specific and very, very, very um, theoretical. And you do not have to use those, okay? You do not. I think I just the general ideas I talked about today is probably enough and then you can design yourself. You don't have to follow somebody else's exact, you know, read this, read this, read this, study this. And then you feel like it's too much work and it's it doesn't fit you or your family. So you have to adapt everything to yourself and to your family. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of what I would call loose tight, <laughs> loose tight. There needs to be some tightness, meaning some discipline, a couple hours a day uh, of really good focus where we're going to be reading, you know, about classic stories and eventually classic literature and, uh, you know, really kind of all be choosing the topics that we read and the things we read and doing basic math, but just a couple hours a day. That's all. And then the rest of the time is going to be very loose, very open for the kids to be creative, to explore, lots of fun and, and that kind of thing. And also practical everyday things, because that's also important. We don't just want little eggheads, right? They just think, 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 but they, they don't know how to cook. <laughs> they can't wash their clothes. I mean, there's too many people like that now. And fighting, you know, they should learn how to fight. They should learn some self-discipline. They should learn some physical skills, how to, how to be healthy. All these things are important. Follow-up question by Jackson Scully. How can someone find the joy in learning again after it's been tainted by schooling? Follow your curiosity. That's how you do it, because that's exactly what children do. Okay? The why was it tainted by school? Tainted means corrupted or destroyed by school. Because you were forced to learn a bunch of stuff you didn't care about in a way that was boring. Uh, and, and many times, you were learning things that were just lies, not even true, or at least not useful. So how do you recover from that? You feel like, oh, I just hate learning. Uh, you, got, you got to find your curiosity. So you just don't force yourself to like, for example, I must learn something serious. I have to read the Iliad in Greek. Okay. I mean, that's nice. The Iliad's great, but, but, you know, maybe not starting there unless you're really interested in that. But just, just let yourself just start to notice when you're curious about something. It could be anything. I, I don't know. It could be anything, right? You might be curious about I don't know, some battle that happened in the past. You might be curious about a book. You might be curious about, you see some flower or some bug. And you're like, ah, that's interesting. And then just go research it and look it up. Learn about it. Watch a video about it. Something like that. And just little things like that. Just let your mind just jump around to lots of different things. You know, try just lots of things. You think, uh, oh, jujitsu sounds interesting. I think I'll try it. Just go try it. Maybe you like it. Maybe you hate it. But just try it. And then you say, ah, oh, I've always thought about weightlifting. Go try it. Then read some books about weightlifting. Uh, and then you hear about fasting. Oh, I'm going to read about fasting. Watch some videos. Read about fasting. Read about the biology of fasting. And then something else. Then you think, uh, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm interested in computers. I'm interested in, uh, for some reason, you're interested in Nepal. You're thinking about taking a vacation in, to Nepal. So start reading about Nepal. Read about the mountains. Read about the history. And you just let your mind jump around and start following your curiosity again. And it will start to wake up this natural desire to learn and to be curious. And as you do that, your ability to concentrate, your ability to focus on more serious things, maybe more deep things, more difficult things will get better. That's what I would suggest. That's what I've always done is just, I just follow what I'm curious about. I don't force myself too much. You know, there are a lot, for example, there's plenty, there are plenty of sort of classic serious books that, Kind of, I think I'd like to read. I feel like I should read maybe, but but on the other hand, I'm just not interested right now. And for some reason, it, they're not attracting me and uh, I'm just not going to push myself too hard to do it.
Jose Ramos says, when you talk about homeschool, do you have to do it completely at home without sending children to school? That's the best way. Because here in the USA, is it a problem for the law? No, you, if you live in the USA, you, that's great. Homeschooling in the USA is legal in every state. 100% legal. So you have no problems. Lots of homeschoolers. I'd say probably America is the number one homeschooling country in the world right now. And there is a, they're called the Homeschool Defense League, HSD, uh, I don't know, Homeschool Legal Defense. Look that up, Homeschool Legal Defense. There's an organization you can join, pretty cheap. I'm a member and they will help you. They have lawyers. They will help you if you have any problems. But every state in America, it is legal. Uh, and in every state in America, there are lots of families doing homeschooling, uh, all homeschooling, no school at all. So if you're in the United States, you have no problems. Some countries like Germany, they're kind of Germany, you know, they uh, put people in jail and it's pretty horrible. But uh, America, you're fine. Yeah, like Sergey says, most schools offer us the same kind of learning, so students have no chance to choose subjects they like and want to learn. They offer you the same subjects, they offer you the same methods, which is just lecturing, blah, 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 and textbooks, everything. It's exactly the same. It's like a big factory. It doesn't work. That's why you're bored. That's why so many people get bored with it. Uh, let's see. Don't you think it's a huge risk you let your child not go to school and later on he could not pursue his passion? Well, why not? Why would that stop him? That doesn't make any sense to me. How does school allow a child to pursue their passion and homeschooling does not allow it? I don't see the logic of that. It's quite the opposite, in fact. Quite the opposite. Homeschooling, your child will f learn far more about being an independent learner, about how to pursue their passion. If they're interested or passionate about something, as a homeschooler, they learn to be more aggressive, more independent, to research it, to learn about it, to teach themselves, to figure out how to do it. In school, they don't learn any of that. In school, they learn sit down and wait for the teacher to tell you what to do. In school, there's no pursuing passion. In school, there's no independent learning. It's totally passive. At the end of high school, most kids are completely 100% passive. And I can tell you this, when I was teaching in San Francisco in a language school, some of my students were mostly in their early 20s, like 20, 25, somewhere in that range. And they were so damn passive. I mean, it just kind of disgusted me, honestly. I, they were nice people. But one of the things that I just felt so sad about because they had been in the school system so long like they just they had no like motivation or like um, uh, they weren't proactive right they wouldn't just do something if like they they say oh I would like to do this so I would say we'll do it and like, well I don't know uh. they're always waiting for someone to tell them what to do always waiting for someone to make them do something step by step they would not just want something, figure out how to do it, and then do it. Okay, so that's what school teaches. So it's exact, you got it backwards with your question. We'll talk about this more, Muhammad. It says, where can I find good resources for homeschooling techniques? There are a lot of different books on it. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about it. We won't wait till Friday when I interview Christy Clover because we can ask her this question. She's got a few books about this topic. And there's so many. Just do a search. Homeschool, homeschool curriculum, uh, homeschool methods, homeschool strategies. Just start doing searches online with DuckDuckGo or something. And you're going to find us. Get on Amazon or books, you know, book uh, websites and do searches for homeschooling, homeschooling methods. There's so many websites, apps, books, methods, and all different kinds. I mean, this is what's great about it. So there are some that, like, uh, was it Scully said that, 
you know, that are really, really, really super organized, super disciplined. <laughs> okay, very, very academic. But there are others that are very, the opposite. They're very, very, very loose and open. And there's a lot that are in the middle. And there are some that are specific to religion. So if you're a Christian, for example, there are, like I believe Christy Clover's Christian. And so you, you can have a curriculum that's very Christian-focused or very, you know, Dharma-focused or very Muslim-focused or or not religious-focused. You know, you could focus on the trivium. You can have one that's more science-focused if you feel that's important. There's so, You can do anything you want. That's what's great. You're the boss. You're the boss. You design it and customize it as you wish. And there are um, different books and curricula, I guess it is technically, uh, for all of these different approaches. That's what I like about it. Unlike schools where every school everywhere in the world basically the same, but with homeschooling, they're all different. There's such a diversity of thought and approach. Truly creative. Yep, Antonio de Lima says, in Brazil, if you don't send children to school, you can be arrested. Well, hopefully Bolsonaro is going to change that. I know he's trying. So good luck. Hope you, you guys need to get that changed in Brazil. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Carol says, will you teach your kids in English or Japanese or both? <laughs> I will teach them in English. My wife will teach them in Japanese. So they'll learn both. They'll grow up learning both. She'll, she'll teach the Japanese topics, of course. Japanese mostly Japanese language. They have to learn the characters, how to read in Japanese, and, uh, and that's the big one, really, how to read in Japanese. Uh, probably a lot of the other topics I'll teach in English. Abdo says, How can we heal ourselves from the school system after we finished? Uh, we have a desire. We don't want to learn any academics anymore. How can we overcome it? Well, again, sort of the same answer I gave before to Scully. Uh, you start by just, just relax. Just relax and learn things that you're curious about. They don't have to be serious. It might be cooking. Maybe you're curious about cooking. So just start reading about cooking and getting recipes and watching videos and start playing around with cooking. Or it might be, you know, like I lived in Hawaii. I told you the story many times, but I wanted to learn to kite surf because on Maui, the island we lived, there's everybody kite surfs. Not everybody, but a lot of people kite surf. It's a popular sport there. So I just thought, well, why not? I want to learn it. I was curious and I'm glad I did. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. I, at one point, I learned how to play golf. I'm not good. I never get to play now, but I just went and did it and it was fun. I was just curious about it. My dad's a golfer has been a long time and uh, so it could be just sports doesn't have to be serious academic topics and you know on the other hand like uh, I mentioned before I, I always did have in my mind I want to read the Iliad and the Odyssey so I kind of I think I kind of learned them in school at least the Odyssey I think forgotten it though and uh, I don't know it just kind of was there in my mind and I finally decided ah, I'm just going to read it I'm going to read the Iliad I've never read the Iliad before so I found uh I looked at a few different translations and I found an English translation that was kind of uh, very clear, kind of easy to understand, very direct. And I found it and I read it. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. So then I read the Odyssey and then I, uh, I still need to read the Aeneid, which is uh, Roman. But um, so, you know, but I didn't force myself like I must read this because it's classic literature huh? I must do it it was just kind of there in my mind and then when I finally just just did it so that's kind of what you do that's what you do and as your curiosity grows your enjoyment grows again it comes back you start to heal from all the boredom and lies from school and you become more and more and more of an independent learner naturally then your enthusiasm your natural curiosity takes control and then you want to read you want to keep reading and learning reading and learning you can't stop yourself so I wouldn't force yourself to do only serious things whatever that is just do things that interest you and let that lead you 
in good ways. Yeah, well, that's a good point that Dalal makes. Big evidence of the badness of school quality is that parents pay for private teachers to come home and give private lessons. Yeah, or here in Japan, they pay, they send their kids to private classes after school. So, it, which just shows it means the schools are doing a bad job. If the schools did a good job, they wouldn't need to go to extra school after school. They wouldn't need tutors also. But the schools suck. That's why. So, you know, they go and they take English in class in school, but that sucks. So then they have to send them to a separate English class after school. And that also sucks. And so they, even with all of that, they go to school during the day at normal school and they learn, they take English classes. Then they go after school, they go to their special English tutor or English, you know, private class. And they do that. And then after, well, three years of middle school, for after seven years of all of that, they still can't speak. <laughs> I mean, what? That's school right there. Okay? It's not much different for the other subjects. Right. It pretty much shows you how effective it is. How many languages can a child learn at one time? How many languages is a polygon? I wouldn't, you know, I don't know about children. I wouldn't push them to do it unless you have a natural situation. Like so with our children, you know, one, I speak English, my wife speaks Japanese. So learning the two languages is very natural and quite easy. So if that kind of situation, teach your child a couple languages. You might expose them at a young age to something else if you want to, but I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh... I think for most of you, I think probably you, what you would want is English, I'm guessing. So you would maybe, you know, there's lots of different ways you could do it. But basically, you might have a you know, couple of days a week where one of you, you as the parent, would talk to them in English and watch little cartoons and do little books and little audio books in English and, you know, make, keep it fun and playful at the young age. That's the main thing. Don't turn it into some horrible thing that's that's unpleasant uh, just make it light and fun and they'll let them get the kind of basics of English don't teach them any grammar nothing like that I think that's fine and later as they get older they can learn more languages if they want to Well, exactly. N says, some school teachers have been passive students who learn to be obedient. How can they teach other people to be independent learners? Well, they can't. Most school teachers, exactly. A lot of school teachers, they, they go to school their whole life and then they just become teachers. And they never actually do anything else. They never have any other job except teacher. They never do anything else. They are students in the school system. They go to college, they get a degree in teaching, and then they go right back into school again as teachers. They're never in the real world. They never have any kind of real job. Nothing. And so, this is why they don't, they know nothing about business. They know nothing about really anything. Um, and yeah, exactly. They're just obedient and passive. And, and then, you know, do you really want them teaching your children? I don't. Um, yeah. That's, that is 100% true. Okay. Yeah, Jose Ramos says, I'm very excited about Friday's topic. It will be important for those of us who are parents. I'm very excited to learn how to teach my little girl better things in the best way. Thanks for educating us, AJ. Yeah, I'm excited too, to talk to Christy Clover. It'll be interesting to get her, uh, hear about her experiences and her approach to teaching her own children. <laughs> Ripsome says, many parents use schools to spend less time with children. <laughs> yes, that's the dirty secret that they won't admit. <laughs> but it's true. Yes, it's babysitting. They see it as babysitting. 
Yeah, well, Vinicius uh, says the same thing. Most people, uh, most part of people don't want to spend time with their children. They give all education responsibilities to the school. It is true in many cases. Daniel, no, this is bullshit. Homeschooling may avoid a severe thing kids need, social interaction. You prevent your children from interaction. Now, see, this is this is where you're just listening to brainwashing. Do you guys did you guys go to school? Do you remember? I mean, I'm 51. I still remember. There's no decent there's they don't teach you social skills in school. You don't learn any social skills, okay? You sit on your butt and you listen to a teacher talk. In between classes, maybe there's some jumping around and running around and I don't know there's also a good amount of bullying that happens it's like a prison environment that's it okay there's there are no useful social skills being learned in school now I do remember learning some useful social skills where did I learn them most importantly I learned social skills at home with my family with my sister and my parents okay because my mom, mostly my mom and my dad too, would guide us. So my sister and I would fight and then my mom would come, what happened? And then she would teach us, okay, you need to share, you need to do this. Okay, this is how you learn, they learn these basic social things. Not in school, at home. The other place I learned or practiced these social skills was with my friends at home, playing at home with my friends. I had a lot of friends at home, all these boys, we'd run around, we'd play games, we'd argue about rules for games, we'd argue and have disagreements. And yes, I learned a lot of good stuff. But again, at home, in the freedom of playing freely with them, not in the prison school system. So you got you know this this is kind of one of the basic uh, propaganda messages of schools that they try to scare you know oh, they, your kids need to learn social skills at school they don't teach social skills it's that's like you know imagine an adult who's shy and he says oh, I need to learn social skills so you send the adult to prison like well, oh well we're going to send you to prison that's where you'll learn social skills in prison. Right? Will he learn social skills in prison? No, he'll be bullied and attacked and it'll be horrible. You don't learn social skills in a prison, guys. That's not where you learn. That's not how you do it. So that's just, that's just nonsense. School does not teach social skills. Not good ones. It teaches bullying. It teaches kids to either be bullies. The, the strong ones will become more bullies and the weak ones become victims. Nobody's teaching them anything. Nobody will stop that. Doesn't, they don't stop it. The teachers do nothing about that. Come on. Remember. Remember. Don't believe the propaganda. Remember. <laughs> okay. Too many adults just suddenly forget how horrible it was. How boring and useless it all is. I, don't, I still remember. I remember how useless it all was. Okay, a couple more and I've got to go. Speaking of, I've got to go. Yeah, exactly, Nora. Family, friends, and neighbors are the right way to social skills. Positive social skills. <laughs> you, okay, it's not just social skills. Bullying, I guess, is a kind of social skill. I guess sitting in a classroom doing nothing while the teacher, you know, forces you to sit and be quiet is, you know, being obedient, I guess, is a kind of social skill, but it's not a good one. Useful, positive social skills, how to resolve disagreements, how to, you know, negotiate rules for games and all these kind of things, how to be polite, all these things are, yeah, they're learned from parents, brothers and sisters, and then friends your same age. That's right. But, you know, friends your same age with some guidance from adults. With some guidance from adults. Yeah, good point. Jose Ramos says, It is correct in school you do not learn how to respect others. It is even forbidden to speak of God. Yeah, that's right. If you are religious at all, you can't... Yeah, if, you, you, if your child speaks of God or prays, what happens to them? They get punished. They get punished. What kind of message is that? Hmm? 
think of it. Now, it's fine if your child says that they are uh, transvestite, your, your little boy says, oh, now I'm a girl and I'm going to wear dresses and give me hormones. Oh, then the schools say, oh, that's good. And they'll support your child to become a girl and inject them with drugs. It's Brave New World. It's sick. It's disgusting. But if they speak of God and they pray, oh, then they get punished. I mean, do you, you realize what is happening in the schools, right? <laughs> this is what you're sending your children into. So, open your eyes, Neo. Take the red pill. Let's not pretend. Okay, guys, I think that's enough. Good topic for today, the trivium. What is today? Let's check my calendar very quickly. Oh, that's not my calendar. But anyway, I want to let's promote this too. Get on Gab, guys. Join the Gab group. Follow me on Gab. This is my Gab right here. Gab.com. AJ Hogue. Follow me at AJ Hogue. That's where we are now. Twitter, goodbye. I'm pretty much finished. I'm finished with Twitter. I'm not doing anything on Twitter anymore. I'm not really doing anything on Facebook anymore. I have an account still on Twitter. I still have an account on Facebook. But you will notice I am not active. So where am I active? If you want social media, you want to connect with me, and more importantly, connect with other Effortless English members, maybe find people to chat with or share your ideas. It's all happening on Gab. This is where we are now. We're all on Gab. Oh, there it is. Gab.com. G-A-B.com. Follow me at AJ Hogue. It's just my name. A-J-H-O-G-E. That's where you need to be. Get off those other ones. Follow me on Gab. Here it is up on the screen. Gab.com. AJ Hogue. All right. We'll be back again tomorrow. Lots of love to you. Mwah. Join my VIP program at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Commit, don't quit at EffortlessEnglishClub.com.